Because of everything we have planned this morning, we need to get started right on time. So if you want to make your way in, I'm sure uh, some that are used to straggling into their ABFs will be straggling in a little bit later here. But uh, we have a a packed morning for you uh, this morning. And so first of all, just thank you for being here with us for our missions conference. And as you know, service is going on over in the auditorium. And then next hour, we'll just be flipping things. Different panels will be sharing in here, though, next hour. Well, we are thrilled to have with us one of our missionaries to be leading us this morning in worship, Karen Silver. And uh, she is married to Stefan, and Stefan pastors in Haifa, Israel. And they are with us this morning with their three kids. Uh, and uh, just want you to know we are just so thrilled to have you with us, Karen. Uh, Karen writes music. She's worship leader for her church. And this morning, she is going to share with us. So would you join me in welcoming Karen Silver? Hallelujah. So it's good to be with you all. And we are here to worship our King together. So if you would join me, I I chose songs that um, I believe most of you would know. And I'm going to teach you Hebrew a little bit as we go along. When I sing in Hebrew, I will sing slower so that you can try and get it and sing it along with me. Um, Yeah, but let's just worship our God and King together. You can feel free to stand or sit.
Let's try it again in Hebrew. do 
Be seated. Thank you, Karen. Can we just praise the Lord together? You know, just put our hands together. Give praise to the Lord in that. What a good God that we have and a God that does minister to us and gives us peace. Well, here this morning in the, the FLC, it's going to be a little different than it's going to be in the auditorium. We have a couple of, of panels that are going to be sharing with us um, this morning. Now, I, I beg you to uh, give me a little grace this morning. I've had surgery on both of my eyes, cataracts removed, and I'm not seeing real well. So uh, when I put these on, you're all a blur out there. But if I don't put them on, I can't read what I'm supposed to share with you this morning. So we're just going to work through this this morning. So we're going to have two panels this morning. The first panel is going to be joining us now. And as I introduce you, if you would just uh, come up on the stage and start in the far chair and then come around and then I'll be moderating this morning. So we're going to start with ladies first this morning. Uh, we've got Jen Srail who had served here on the staff of Maranatha for several years. She came to us as an intern, moved into Young Ladies Discipleship, and now we're proud of her. With She's doing that same type of discipleship overseas in Asia. She's now a published author, and she can tell you about the book that she wrote to teach how Jesus rescues us from darkness to light. Jen loves the Lord. She loves people, and she loves chocolate. I'm not sure it's in that order, but Jen, we welcome you here uh, this morning. Then we have Gary McDowell. Uh, Gary shared with us yesterday, Gary lives here in the States, but his mind and heart is always on the people. He disciples through his constant trips and Zoom calls. Uh, his training for pastors, coupled with his creative business mind, provides a ministry that yields much fruit. 
Gary has been to more countries than you can probably name, and I know it's more than I can properly pronounce. And he probably sleeps less than anybody that you know. Uh, he has aided us as a church, not only in being a partner, but helping with other partners that we have in doing business as missions and helping to examine their missions plans. So welcome Gary with us this morning. We have Roger Scarborough, Scarborough here with us. He's from this area, and he's been serving in Mexico many years. I won't tell him how long, Roger. Uh, <laughs> New Mexico. Yep. Not Mexico, New Mexico. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> you just destroyed the fact that they thought I was inspired. Okay, he... He's raising up a new generation of Native America believers, and he's helping to plant church and helps lead the American Indian ministries. A fun fact about Roger, his wife was in the same youth group that I grew up in many years. And one of the things that Roger loves, he told me the other day, is there's a reunion for our youth group going on tomorrow. And he loves going to those reunions where he meets all the guys that Kathy used to date. <laughs> and then we have Daniel Liebrick. And Daniel passed, yeah, well, welcome, Roger. We don't want him to feel left out. Daniel pastors a church in Belgium with 50% of his time. He spends 50% of his time as the European director for United World Missions, and he uses the other 50% of his time serving with Global Evangelist Forum. I didn't write this. The math doesn't add up, but you can figure that out for yourself. Uh, he trains and empowers evangelists in French-speaking countries. Uh, also, an interesting fact about Daniel, he is an unpaid spokesman for Belgium chocolate that he claims is the best in the world. So, Daniel, you may want to share some of that with Jen. <laughs> Let's welcome Daniel. Okay, I have been taxed with keeping you guys on schedule here in this service. So, I, well, it's going to be possible. Daniel said it's impossible. We have 20 minutes for this panel discussion. So I am setting my clock to 20 minutes. When the buzzer goes off, we're through, okay? Is that fair? Or the next panel won't get, I'm going to do this if I can get my phone open. Okay, I'm going to hit the start button right now. Okay, they have been given these questions in advance. And so we're just going to talk a little bit together with one another. Give us three words to describe the challenge of evangelism and discipleship where you serve. Daniel, let's start with you. Three words. So the first one would be irrelevant. The gospel is irrelevant. The second would be ungrounded in the current paradigm. It's so different from what people think. And the third one would be slow. Roger. Uh, one of them would be history. The Native American people that we work with has had a, a, a difficult history with, with, with our, not just with our country, but the countries that they were under before them. Uh, another one would be family. When people come to Christ, the family usually feels like they left their family, they left their people, they left their tribe. 
to follow Christ, so that's a tough one. And, and a, another one is just resources. Um, we have a Bible college that this, uh, we, we have with the students, but um, a lot of them just struggle with the finances and everything to get the kind of education to continue to ministry. Gary, personal, dangerous, and intentional. You want to elaborate on those just a little bit? Very personal in a sense of along family lines. Typically, the gospel will spread within the Muslim world. Uh, dangerous and different areas where we work. Uh, open uh, evangelism in the streets. Is, it's um, not so much that it's frowned on. It's, it, there's not an ability uh, to do that. So it's very much in the home. And intentional, uh, it's not the kind of thing that you can do in our part of the world where if you're, if you're not focused and observant, yeah, you'll miss you know, most opportunities. Okay. Jen. Uh, the first would be trauma. There's a recent uh, history of Cambodia having a genocide just over 40 years ago. So a lot of people are dealing, the ones still living, with PTSD or the children have secondhand, uh, secondhand of that. Then um, self-reliance and lies. Okay. So let's move on to question number two, which is, how do you share the gospel where you are serving? Jen, we'll start with you this time. Okay, well, related actually to those three words, um, I have written, many of you know, I have written a book in the national language with a um, national named Annie, and our purpose is it's an evangelism tool to help young women uh, heal from trauma. And as I've explained the trauma that's in the country. Then we also address self-reliance and how, I mean, everybody struggles with that, but that actually doesn't produce the results that we're looking for in our lives. And the lies are all around us. Where do those voices come from? So in this book, we're exposing the enemy for who he actually is, the liar and the father of lies. Um, he's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, other topics we address are domestic violence, uh, rape, prostitution, suicide, which are pretty prevalent in the society. So with that, we also are bringing in the truth into the story that the girls are reading. So we have how we're made in God's image, how uh, God loves his people that he created, how he has sent his son, the whole gospel is in there, and then uh, how people can find him as the door to new life, which is the title of our book. So as they read a chapter a week together, they are hearing uh, from each other some of their own pain stories, which is growing, growing them to know each other better and knowing themselves better, and then the leader is pointing them to Christ. And uh, it's, it's exciting to see the process of growth towards Jesus in that. Gary, you're primarily dealing with Muslims stuff so how do you share the gospel with them? yeah you know I think for us you know, typically along family lines uh, but understand that we live in a part of the world where uh, if a family member comes to faith oftentimes we see other family members rising up against that family member and uh, you know, really considering what what in the world of Islam would know be known as an honor killing uh, honoring Allah by you know, disposing of that particular family member so yeah, uh, long trusted relationships, deep you know, life on life relationships. You know, many of the places where we travel, we, what we see is um, even with our students in our training center, we'll, uh, the first month is a time of building trust 
and not even wanting to speak to one another because I don't know who that guy knows who knows somebody else that may be looking back for me. So I'll give you an example. My wife is currently discipling somebody in Austin, Texas, an Iranian lady. She absolutely does not want any visible trace of her baptism, which will be soon, because she's fearful that that could get back to relatives in Iran and, uh, and it may harm them. So uh, deep, trusted relationships, uh, typically uh, in-home, very personal, on the street. It's, you're not really going to see a lot of you know, activity inside of places like Afghanistan or Iran. And um, yeah, the life-on-life life part, it's not a once a week at Starbucks. You know, it's a few minutes here and there where you can get it very intentional and, uh, and very purposeful. Roger. But a word intentional uh, is, is true with our ministry too. Uh, we're, our, three, our three key words we use in, in, in uh, this reaching folks is uh, relational. Um, I, folks say, what do you need to reach Native American young people? And I say, you got to have your Bible and you got to have a basketball. And if you don't know how to play basketball, you better fake it real good. Uh, because that's where the relationships start, uh, hanging out with them like that. Uh, the, the second word would, would, would be incarnational. Uh, when you're hanging out with them, they need to see you living out Christ with them. And the, and the third one, of course, is transformational. That the, We want to see them. Eventually, they're going to have to go back, and they're going to be the missionaries to their own families on their reservations. A lot of places where we minister, a white guy like me can't go into those places, so uh, they have to be transformed to where they can uh, reach their own people. Uh, real quick, too, my wife and I, as we build relationships with these young people, a lot of them are basically li living on the streets. Their parents are alcoholics. They're in and out of jail. So we have taken uh, uh, many young people to live in our home, and that way we get to be incarnational, uh, living Christ with them. And uh, we have seen some of those young people now uh, enter the ministry to minister to their own people for the first time. So that would be our three main words. Cool. Uh, at, with United World Mission, we often say, any which way we can evangelize, we'll try, as long as it's not unbiblical, unethical, or immoral. So we'll try anything. And I've got a, a graduate degree in making a fool of myself. Because you, you try different ways trying to share the gospel. So it might be preaching um, this coming week uh, with the church that we pastor in Belgium. We're going to be going into some new neighborhoods um, for um, marginalized uh, kids mainly to try to organize kids clubs. And so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day they're going to be in a new neighborhood. We try. And if something fails, so what? We try something else. We move on to it. Now, maybe it doesn't relate too much uh, with you if I talk about preaching. So let me just share how we do it personally. I think personal evangelism is key. You have a great pastor, but if we leave it to him, we're not going to reach greater Akron. It involves you. And it's the same in Belgium, and it's the same in each of the countries we serve in. And so I think one of the keys is to be intentional in the way we meet people and we talk with people. I think people are like um, a house without windows and doors, and we're trying to find a way to enter. And we have to probe. We have to try to, to find the door, because there is a door. And so the way I advise people is think ahead of time 
what am I going to say? How am I going to probe for a door? Someone asked me, how is it going with your barber? Does anybody remember my barber from four or five years ago? I've been witnessing to him for about 20 years. And we're making progress. That's why I said it's slow. Now he's, he's responding to some of the things I say. I'm intentional. Before I go for my haircut, I will think, how am I going to guide the conversation? I've learned to do secondhand evangelism. What in the world is that? Next time I go, I'm, go I'm probably going to say, you know, I met this guy, Gary, and he's serving in Afghanistan. And he said, and I'll share the gospel through him, I didn't do it. Blame Gary. <laughs> and if I hear anything exciting about the gospel, I will share it with my barber in secondhand evangelism. We can all do that. It's very simple. It just takes planning ahead of time. Which probing questions do I have to try to enter the castle? You know, I love and hate being around guys with the gift of evangelism. I love it because they give me all kinds of, of ideas and things to do it. I hate it because I feel so convicted after I'm with them. And I think maybe some of you share that same thing. Well, we know just getting someone saved is not our end all. You know, after someone comes to faith in Christ, we also want them to grow. So what does discipleship look like for you? Daniel? There are basically two ways. The first one is life on life. Just doing things with, with people. And both Miriam and I, we try to spend time with people, bring them along as we're doing things. And so there is this discipleship of life rubbing on life. There's also intentional discipleship where we meet regularly with uh, some people. We, we ask probing questions. I, I will often ask the simple question, what could you do this week that would, make a significant, uh, would bring significant growth in your spiritual life? What one thing could you do this week? And you can ask yourself that question. And then when we meet again, I'll say, how did it go with what you decided you would be doing? So it's not always the format. Sometimes I've even, I've even thought, it's not so much what I share, it's just the fact I'm willing to share. It's not so much the content, it's simply the interest and the love and the prayers that we share. So a lot of discipleship, but in, in different ways again. That's good. Uh, well, uh, I, I, I believe that discipleship begins with evangelism. And as you were sharing, it could take 20 minutes or it could take over 20 years. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the first step. And that's the, the relational part where you, you have to sp actually spend time with them and not just on Sunday morning. So uh, living life with them uh, is very important We're in our context. When, when most people think of, when you say, what do you, what do you know about Native America? They would say alcoholism and casinos. You know, that's the first thing they ask. How many casinos do you have? Uh, some of the reservations I work with actually don't have them yet. But alcoholism and, and abuse and broken families and everything is, 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 is really strong. So um, living life with them and modeling for them what a family is. And, uh, you know, it just takes time. And um, I'd like to point out to folks, we, we use uh, what Dan, Dr. Dan Speeder used to teach in the Sun Life Strategy to youth ministries, the, to, to disciple by the Jesus model. First one is to build relationships with them. And Dr. Speeder, in his study of, of how Jesus did it, said he spent more than half of his three and a half years just building relationships with the disciples. 
earning the right to to get invest into their lives. And then he taught them, but a lot of his teaching was as they went with him to go alongside of them. So my, my approach to ministry is not just to minister to the young, young Native Americans, but to have them eventually do it with me. And uh, just in 2020, I was able to step back from a lot of the ministries I've been doing out there for 15 years because the young people that I led to Christ in mid-school had just graduated from Bible college and they came home and they were ready to step in and lead their own people. So I was like, it's all yours, brother. Take it. It's all yours, sister. You're in charge now. So we're just to that point. And uh, now they want me to go to the Indian Bible College and work with people from other tribes to show them how to do that same model when they go back home. To invest in them, to spit, walk with them and do it, and eventually let it go and let them do it too. It's been a long time coming, but we're seeing some of that. Gary? Yeah, I think for us, uh, really the start of, uh, at the core of all discipleship is our personal uh, disciplines in the Word, developing that vertical relationship and a strong relationship with the Lord through prayer, fasting, uh, and, and reading His Word. I think the second core element is, as we've already you know, spoken about here, is just being intentional. You know, waking up every day, you know, not with a laissez-faire you know, attitude of saying, if I have opportunity, I was sharing with a brother this morning. Opportunity is there, knocking all the time. The reason we don't see we don't you know, see the opportunity is, you know, we let the cares of the world crowd out the opportunity, the you know, the you know, crowd out the ability to see that opportunity. So being really focused and intentional, you know, for me, discipleship means you know, a touch point of a minimum of a couple times a week in some way or another with those that I'm discipling. I've realized that, you know couple of hours with anybody, first 20 minutes is probably enough that they can chew on. I'd rather meet them for an hour, give them something, let them work it out, uh, then you know, come back, talk about the accountability is what Daniel said, how did that go, you know, et cetera. Uh, but the other part is just what life on life means for, you know, for Kim and I. We, when we lived in Central Asia, the Stan countries, we often told people we were living in Flexistan, not Kazakhstan. Why? Because some of the greatest opportunities we had for the gospel were 10 o'clock at night when you're just getting ready to go home and they asked that key question you asked, they, they, you wanted them to ask four hours earlier. So do we just pack up and we go? No, you know, you, you stay and you remain. So for our children, yeah, it meant a little bit of unusual sleep patterns and things like that. Uh, however, you know, meeting those that you're caring for and discipling at their point of need. It's not a nine-to-five job. It's a 24-hour you know, type of, you know, of you know, attitude and being ready to seize that opportunity that's there. So being there for them. I think the other part that really is, has been important you know, for us is uh, living an incarnational life. So the very things that we're you know, teaching and preaching, you know, we need to allow you know, those that were... Uh, you know, that we're discipling to see that in us as it as it works its way out. Because if it doesn't, then where's the model? So that meant, you know, people would say to us, "You guys shouldn't have a front door. You probably should have a revolving door." Because people were in and out, in and out of our home, constantly all the time. So I, I think, yeah, you know, having that attitude of a discipler, knowing that my life is you know, is here to live for you. Uh, as an example of what Christ did with his, you know, with his disciples walking with them, yeah, 
and then also really focusing on an attitude of Acts 42 uh, through 47. I love all of Scripture, but I love how the you know how the early church actually formed itself, desiring to be together, praying together, fellowshipping with one another, you know, just constantly you know, showing that attitude of I don't need personal space. Actually, what I need is more community. Go ahead, Jen. Uh, <clears throat> something Gary said reminded me of um, similar with I really like to go to bed at 10 o'clock and that seems to be when a lot of people uh, get on Facebook and talk to their friends and so I've had more questions or um, struggles that some people bring up to me on Facebook at 10 o'clock at night and so I'm just being willing like okay this is when they're ready and this is when they want to talk about it just taking the time when it's the right opportunity um, another thing, I've mentioned this book um, as a resource, and that's what I see it as, not something as amazing as just a tool to bring people together, um, because I, I believe that God uses his people to bring them to him. Um, resources can be helpful, but with this resource, I've built relationships with some women and began my own small group with a few, and then they took this resource and started their own small group with other women, and as they have finished that, um, at least one of them is going to help train up some in her small group to go lead another small group, so um, that is that takes a while sometimes, um, but it's I would love to see people who are making disciples who make disciples, and it just continues on the line. And uh, that's my prayer, and that's what I encourage them to do, and hopefully it is what is continuing on. Okay, let's see how we're doing on time here. <laughs> okay, we have a minute and 13 seconds. Uh, we've done really well. So any of you, just anything you'd like to share this morning? One last word is be available. When somebody wants to be with you to learn more about the Lord, don't say, hey, you know what, it's 5 o'clock, yeah, can you call me tomorrow at 9? You know, be available. Kathy and I are, are experiencing something this morning. Uh, one of the couples that were, our families that were really close to at home um, has a, the grandmother is near death uh, today, and the kids really need us home. So just if you think about it in prayer, her name is Janta. And uh, the families, the Nottawas, just pray for them today. Uh, we need to get back there as soon as we can uh, to be with the family. Daniel, would you pray for our brother here? Sure. Janta and the Nottawa family. Father, we bring to you Janta, asking that you might reach out to her, touch and just give wisdom in this difficult situation. We pray for this family that is in need, and we ask that our brother might also be able to have the words and anything that is needed to share with them as they go through this difficult time. We ask this in the powerful name, the only name that opens the door, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we thank our panel for this morning sharing with us? You know, we're a church that believes that we need to do locally what we're doing overseas. We believe that the fulfillment of the Great Commission is not only the multiplication of believers, but the multiplication of local churches. And so this, this morning, before we go to our next 
panel, we wanted to share with you a video about our church plans. So we can roll that at this time, Andy. At Maranatha, one of the things we love to see is how God is blessing our church plants. And so he has been providing buildings for them and we're excited. We want to give you guys a tour. We don't, you know, you don't usually get to see them. So we're going to give you a tour. That's right, President. But we also can remember it's not about the steeple, it's about the people. So let's go. Well, first we're here at Grace Bible Church with Pastor Kerry Duckett. And awesome stuff happening at Grace. Tell us about yeah. the church first and then the big news that you guys Absolutely. Have. So Grace Bible Church is finding new and better ways to connect with the community. And uh, we are doing all kinds of things with our schools, with the police department, uh, and different things to, to reach out here at Grace. But the new thing that's happening is uh, the International Welcome Center. In fact, we're standing in the International Welcome Center right now, our brand new building. Uh, the IWC has been in existence for about four years. Uh, but this building is only a couple of weeks old, and so we use it to reach out to the refugees and immigrants who are resettling here in the Akron area. That's awesome. Pastor, I know there's a lot going on with the church and the International Welcome Center, but uh, what are you thankful for? Uh, what God is doing in your church and in the International sure, Welcome Center? Sure, I, I would say at Grace Bible Church, uh, what I'm most thankful for is just the, the people, our body of believers here, uh, because they have been so open to this idea that God has placed us here to minister to a group of people, refugees and immigrants in the Akron area, who are many times marginalized and vulnerable in our society, and, and our people have just embraced them and embraced this idea. When it comes to the IWC, I'm gonna say it's the same thing, it's the people, because the IWC is, is heavily dependent upon volunteers, and IWC volunteers Oh my goodness, they, they just do so much to become the friend of someone that they can't even speak English with. So I'm just thankful for those folks. That's awesome. Well, we're here at Bridge Bible Church with Pastor Dave Dixon. Uh, so excited to be in their new building. Uh, we know that there's more going on here than just the building though, Dave, right? Right, well, we do love the building, but it's about the people. Uh, we got to move to a new neighborhood, so we've made some new friends, seen some new folks come to our church take uh, membership and get involved and the most exciting thing is seeing them plugged into community life groups and uh, really becoming a part of our church family. That's awesome. Pastor Dave, I know there's a lot going on in the life of the church, uh, but what's one thing you're thankful for that God has been doing here? Uh, a couple of things we've seen is some pretty remarkable salvations. Uh, we've had uh, salvations and baptisms. We had a gentleman uh, who's actually upper 60s, uh, called me, wanted to get some counseling. His son had passed away. Uh, he came to Christ in the spring, and then I uh, was baptized in July. And then just after the service the other day, a uh, little guy sought me out and said, how do I become a Christ follower? So he prayed to receive Jesus. Uh, and there was even some guys that left uh, for college that went to a Christian school, called me and said, hey, I realized I wasn't a Christian and became a Christ follower at their new school. So uh, we just are so excited that we see God saving people that are connected with our ministry. Praise the Lord. Well, we're here at Mission View Church in North Canton. Pastor Matt Haup, thankful for you. And tell us about this building that we're in here. Oh, man, it's been amazing. Um, I want to say a quick thank you to Butch Persley. Uh, when we went to move into this building, um, well, we were thinking about buying this building. I met with Butch and was very nervous about, you know, the renovation, the cost and different things. And I'll never forget when he said, where the Lord leads, the Lord provides. And that was kind of solidified everything as I went back to the elders and just really challenged them and, and felt challenged myself to, to take that step of faith to, to purchase a building. It was God really used Maranatha, Butch personally, to, to inspire us forward to follow God's leading. So, But it's been amazing, amazing facility, 
location is better than we ever imagined, close to Price Park, and people walk by and come in the church throughout the week. Just, hey, this used to be a terrible-looking building. Now it's really nice, and we just wanted to check it out. So it's been a huge outreach for us, too. Really great. So. so, Pastor, I know there's a lot happening in the life of the church, and God's doing great things, but what's one thing that you're just thankful that God is doing here? Yeah, I think right now it has to step back to the building. Um, this last year, we've seen amazing growth. Uh, 200 new people added to the church in the last year. Uh, we had a record amount of baptisms that we celebrated just two weeks ago, and we've had a record amount of new members coming into membership of the church in the last year. Just phenomenal that we'd see that kind of outpouring. So that's probably what we're most thankful for. And, it, and the challenges that brings to, yeah. you know, yeah. opportunities, we call them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah awesome. good. it's been awesome. Well, we're here at Community Bible Church in Canal Fulton, Pastor Joel Strout. And tell us a little bit about where we are here. Yeah, so we are standing in the sanctuary of a building that God provided for us right at the beginning of COVID-19, actually. So it's a blessing that it got us out of the school system uh, and into our own building where we can have repeated opportunities to share the gospel with those in Canal Fulton, as well as those in Tusla and Lawrence Township. It's perfectly located to give us that opportunity. Pastor, I know there's a lot going on uh, that God is doing in the church, but what's one thing that you're thankful for that God is doing here? Yeah, super thankful that God's growing us, not just numerically, but also in depth. Uh, we're seeing our community groups that are really healthy and our uh, numbers there, but we're also really excited that we're seeing those come out of our community groups and make disciples in smaller circles. And so all of that's possible because of what God's been doing in the faithfulness of our people and in their um, ability to buy into the vision of making disciples and make disciples. Well, we are here at 539 Church in Goodyear Heights with our very own pastor, Mike Duma, and so excited about your launch. Actually, it reminded me a lot about Maranatha. I was there the first Sunday when Maranatha launched. Just all these people, all the excitement, and so you guys had an awesome launch too right here. Yeah, yeah. God has been very good to us. Uh, we had our launch uh, Sunday morning on September 18th, uh, so a couple weeks ago, and we've uh, gotten moving here at uh, 539, and God has just been so good to us uh, with the building we have and with uh, the people we've seen really coming to know Christ in the first a month or so as a church and also seeing uh, some baptisms as well. Uh, we've been so, so encouraged. Awesome. Yeah. So Pastor, I know God's doing a lot of things here in this church, but what's one, one thing that you're thankful for that God is doing? Yeah, I think out of all of the, the stuff that God's really been doing, I think the thing that I'm most thankful for is just the team uh, that we have around to help uh, to really do the work of ministry here along with our staff. Uh, having a few staff members helping has just been uh, a huge blessing to lighten the load and also to minister to a wide range of people and have a family ministry. We're just very blessed with the people that have come with us from Maranatha. They provide a lot of uh, support and strength, being able to serve, and so uh, it's just a true, true blessing. Yeah. So it's been awesome seeing what God is doing in our church plants. We're glad that uh, you can see how he is working and glad that you can come along for a tour with us. Thank you as a, a, a body of believers. It's through your service, it's through your giving, it's through your prayers that we see all that God is doing. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, 
two of those five church plants that we heard from, at the time that we planted them, as a church, it wasn't something that we were just saying, okay, this is what we're going to do right now. It was all of God moving and working and saying this is what we need to do as a church. So thank you for being supportive of the Great Commission happening right here locally as well. Well, it's time for our other panel. And so let me introduce four more of our missionaries, and I'm going to ask you once again to, to sit starting at the, my far left. First of all, we have Matt from Barnabas Partners, who is currently living in Thailand. He and his family minister in a very large Asian country where he continues to invest in underground church planners. He is one of the most polite people you will ever meet. And when we go overseas for our training, it is Matt that hosts us. Uh, Matt also serves as the driver for Bruce and me when we are over there, and I will share with you, I have never been concerned that we might break the speed limit while Matt is driving. We kid him by saying our grandmothers drive faster than he does. <laughs> Second, we want to welcome, let, let's welcome Matt. <laughs> We also want to welcome Vicente here. Vicente and his wife Anna live in Melkalzi. I probably, no, that's not how you say it. You'll have to straighten me out when you get up here. A linguist I am not. But it's in Mexico where he pastors the Path of Salvation Church for years. Vicente has a heart for people and for God's word and preaches wherever possible in the area. In prisons, surrounding towns, he just loves to preach and shepherd God's people. He has hosted many Maranatha teams, or should we say he's put up with many Maranatha teams, and we're glad that he still likes us after all of that. Then we have Ramazan with us. Well, yeah, let's welcome Vicente. Ramazan pastors Antalya Evangelical Church in Antalya, Turkey, and they are anticipating a third location soon. Ramazan was here with us at Maranatha. He served here as a year as an intern with us, and God is greatly using him and seeing the gospel spread throughout Turkey. Let's, let's welcome Ramazan. Then Daniel Bethel, Daniel and his wife Carrie are two of the newest members of our missions family. They serve with Christar in Spain as Daniel oversees international church planning and Carrie serves as the women's ministry director. Carrie is the daughter of our longtime partners, Tim and Kathy Hiremans. Tim and Kathy couldn't be here because they are watching Daniel and Carrie's children, and I'm sure they are just relishing having their grandchildren with them. So let's welcome Daniel as well. Okay, once again, I'm going to set my clock. Just a second here. For 20 minutes. And once again, we've given our questions to our panel uh, so they know in advance what I'm going to ask. 
Let's say question number one. What three things describe church planting in the areas where you serve? Matt, we'll start with you. Well, I would say I got three letters that actually defines a church planting effort, which is a CCP, <laughs> which is a Chinese Communist Party, because it, they do, in a lot of ways, dictate what we can and cannot do. But at the very same time, it's a kind of a paradox. It is that those same challenges that strengthens and refines the church. So in terms of church planting efforts, um, be it online, be it in person, the pandemic has added to the challenges. But nevertheless, you know, God's work doesn't stop and his people are still working hard at work <laughs> to continue to share the gospel as well as discipleship their people. So what does the CCP stand oh, for? The Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> so, okay. Vicente. Uh, three words. Uh, I'll say first, love. Without love, you can walk and bring the gospel, you know, loving people. Not the last. And second word for me is to pray or pray, prayer. Because without praying, it's no, you know, we're going to pray. And the last for me is perseverance. Persevere in what you do. Could be, I mean, and nothing starts at one day or a week. And I know that. So it could be a year or years. So we're like perseverance, you know. Okay, Ramazan. I have three words, existency, and also a new family, and also place to grow. Existence is like we live in a, a city that two and a half million Muslims lives, and we are about like 250 people in the city, and the church says that, you know, we are exist. You know, we are here, and we are exist. And that's very important. And the new family, many people, when they became a Christian, they've been rejected by their own family. And the church became a, their new family. And then place to grow. And people come with broken lives and hopeless and helpless. And then this place provides, you know, help and encouragement and, you know, place to grow spiritually and uh, in many other areas in their life. Daniel? Um, so I think the number one word I would use is messy. Um, and just because, like you said, people are coming from so many different backgrounds. And for our context, we're working with Hindu background believers. And uh, just the many, many things that we're changing in their life. And we, so messy in that sense, but also um, that idea of intentionality. Um, so uh, helping our teams to know, plan, have a strategy, have intentionality, know where you're going, what your intention is. And then the last word I would use is flexible at the same time. So as a, you want to be intentional and you want to know where you're going, but always being ready to make those adjustments because um, God interrupts often what we thought we were going to do, and he shows us a better way. All right, Daniel, we'll start with you with the next question. How have you personally seen and you and your wife seen God's faithfulness? I think for us, um, the biggest thing that I think is every time we saw a, a person who had grown up and lived their entire life as a Hindu come to faith, it was just a miracle um, because it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. They are essentially taking their 
whole identity and they're setting it aside and taking on this new identity of Christ. And each time there was persecution um, on some level and like you said, some separation from family. And so that they had to find this new family in the community that they're going to. So I think the primary way we saw his faithfulness is that he just kept doing it. He kept drawing these people to himself and bringing them into his family. Ramazan? I saw God's faithful, faithfulness many times in our lives. And every time, uh, maybe you have heard many times about uh, news about Turkey that there is always like chaos and there is always like problems. And uh, for Christian, uh, for us, the same too. That there's a lots of pressures and persecution, and you know, and they're trying to stop us every time uh, things happen. I feel like, okay, we're done, you know. But every time God does something, and then it brings some new excitement to us. And like after COVID, we thought that you know, like we were not gonna come back together, you know. But after the COVID, actually, the opposite happened. We had more people came to the church. And we, uh, like, there's a lot of uh, things going on in Turkey now. One of the things that uh, country is hurting really financially and economically. And also uh, our president going very dictator, you know. And a lot of people became a disillusion on Islam and they leave Islam and they look for something new. And many of those people are coming to, uh, also some of those people are coming to the church. And I never saw during my ministry life that that many people are coming to church and asking questions and searching about God. And I've been doing this ministry almost like 21 years. And I never baptized 18 people, and we baptized 18 people this year, and we're going to baptize also seven new people next month. And I never experienced that before. That's the God's faithfulness. And I've been praying to God that God please help us to grow. And I think you, you need to be careful what you're praying for, and, <laughs> and that's what God does. Okay. Can we just praise the Lord for those people coming to faith and being baptized? Right. Vicente, how have you seen God's faithfulness? Oh, like he's like he said many ways, you know. God has been faithful. He's faithful. Even uh, we are unfaithful, say. He is faithful. Yeah. He's faithful. I've seen God uh once uh Marlata was went down with the team with Steve Marshall and John Reese and all their pastors. We had a we had a uh, we had a, well, a smaller daughter had a, uh, what do you call that? Oh, she got like cancer on her neck. And uh, we asked the the pastors to pray for her. So uh, well, they prayed and we had to take our daughter to Guadalajara, a bigger city where a big hospital to be operated. So uh, they did, you know, they operated her and... Uh, she was uh, established now, and I've been, uh, you know, when I uh, heard that the doctor say, you better be, you know, prepared, you know, because this is a very high price, you know, treatment or whatever. So uh, is your daughter in the school? Yeah, she is in school. So they have a school uh, uh, social insurance or something like that. And then so we immediately we went and... Uh, 
and and put her under uh, that uh, situation so that so that they, they, she could be operated. And uh, they, the Lord responded, you know, they did everything and worked it out fast and everything. So uh, we went to Guadalajara and, uh, and she got operated. And uh, even uh, even at the hospital, you know, in one of the hospitals, is, you see a lot of people suffering. But uh, uh, when I w we were sitting, my wife and I were sitting uh, outside waiting for the op operation. We were praying and we were hearing a lot of... Uh, a lot of people crying or a lot of people, you know, with rosaries in the hands and, you know, praying. And, you know. So uh, at those times, I, I just sat on the Lord, and I I, uh, I heard two verses came into my, he brought to me, the Holy Spirit brought to me uh, two verses that uh, give me, uh, how do you say, encouragement. And, uh, and one of the verses was, uh, uh don't fear just believe so in the next one uh, i fear uh like he was saying asking me do you you love me and i say yeah lord i love you okay so he he brought me uh, and the perfect love is no fear oh i say so i told anna the lord said uh, we shouldn't fear and do not listen put attention to what people are saying or you say rosaries or whatever we had a big God, yes. and I see his fulfillment. Now my daughter is uh, uh, 10 years out of that cancer. Well, praise God for that. Yeah. Matt. I think the faithfulness, like in all areas of the world, I think come in the form, comes in the form of hope, mm -hmm. that the hope that he offers to his people. Now, in China, um, <laughs> I mentioned the government specifically because that is a big challenge, that is a big hurdle. They are pursuing still a zero COVID policy as we speak. And a lot of places remain locked down. Um, it it kind of comes and goes. Uh, and different areas of the country have to endure different things. But, you know, during this difficult time, and when you're locked down, you know, you're not working. You're stuck at home. Um, food <laughs> and water and things like that kind of become an issue because you're counting on other people to be it deliver food for you, or you know you have to be tax savvy enough to get on the apps and order the food. Like you, you can't physically go really anywhere during those times, and and that's that's difficult. You know, there's short-term consequences, there are long-term consequences, and it's still going on. You know, it. They just had the the, the, the People's Congress, you know, last week, where it's a, like once every five years they have this major meeting where you know the, the party leaders decide kind of the, the fate of the country for the next five years. And so there's no mentioning, no indication whatsoever of loosening of the protocols. And during, and it's been going on for two years already. It's been, it's been difficult to say the least. Yet during this time, like God's people don't stop. And so if you're stuck at home, then you get on your phone and you start using, you know, social media. And reach out to your family and friends. And China is very much the same as in other countries. It's very familial. It's very relational. And yeah, though all those apps, you know, the internet and, you know, anything web-related are monitored, you know, uh, 24 hours a day by internet police. That's such a thing. They're, you know, just their job is just to look at the internet, look at, like, what people say, look, monitoring calls, monitoring text messages. Yet, you do it because, you know, we're commanded to take up the cross. You know, they are ourselves, take up the cross and follow Christ. And so they'll keep doing that. And, uh, but, you know, 
if there's a loosening, you know, people can go out, then, you know, they, they meet again. Some of, we've seen so many reports and photos in the past two years, during this whole time, people meeting in parks, people, you know, meeting back in homes, you know, uh, resume, you know, resuming, you know, theological training and that sort of thing. So that's kind of where the faithfulness and where the hope comes from. Okay, so let's move into our next question of how then are we seeing churches multiply uh, in the context in which you guys are ministering? Matt, we'll start with you on that. Sir. So um, historically, in the, within the Chinese house churches, there, there is a designated clergy group called the church planters. They, their job is to go out and plant churches. You know, back in the day, they went on foot, two by two, village to village, door to door. Whoever takes, like, whoever is willing to listen more would invite them back into our homes and should that family of believers come to Christ, that becomes a house church. And then you imagine that process repeated hundreds of thousands and not millions of times over the past 40 years. That's kind of been the model. Now, nowadays, there are still church planters, some of them in the rural area doing similar things, others in urban areas. And obviously now, everything is kind of shut down. You're back to the small groups. But again, through person-to-person you know, -person evangelism, friends and family through online, you know, just kind of texting, you know, showing concern that the church continues to grow even during this difficult time period. And having been there for training, especially those in, in China, they've done this in spite of persecution, in spite of the government saying you cannot do it, still they're going to obey God rather than obey me. It takes a bit of boldness. It takes a bit of cheekiness. They actually, you know, a lot of times, you wouldn't think it, but yes, there is great sorrow in their suffering, but there's great joy. In, in, in fact, they consider it a privilege to, to be able to suffer for the sake of the gospel. But that's the key, for the sake of the gospel. And so that they continue to do that and they spur one another on. Vicente? Well, in the area... Uh I've been in uh, some churches from the U.S., some groups come down and, uh, and uh, to bring, you know, glasses, reading glasses or help, uh, any, any medical help, everything. So they contact me and uh, to help them, you know, trans be translated to people, what, what they're going to do and everything. So and just share gospel with uh, those ones who don't speak, uh, you know, Spanish, you know. And I've been helping that, and I, it's a... Uh, it's uh, hundreds of people coming to get a uh, need, you know, and it's an opportunity to share gospel with everyone, you know, and yeah, I help uh, that. And after finishing in Mascota, the mission, and the church established now, there uh, I went back to Mescales and say, oh, Lord, I'm here now. So I work with the church there and everything. So the Lord gave me an, another, another mission, you know. He opened a door and... Uh, Federal prison, federal prison. So I say, oh, how, what am I going to do here? How am I going to do with these people? But the Lord is faithful. He he uh, opened the door, you know, and everything. And uh, he started. He's the one that started the church. Just an instrument. And uh, now, right now, we have like 15 prisoners, you know, coming up to the meetings each week. So the Lord is being faithful. Okay. Thankful. Yeah, it always amazes me. We have the general public who's trying to stay out of prison, and then we have those who are believers trying to get into prison yeah, yeah. so that we can bring people to, to Christ. 
Okay, Ramazan, your unique situation there in Antalya. Uh, you're getting ready to start your third location, multiplication. How's that happening? When our church started in 1992, uh, there was no Christians as we knew in Antalya. And, but this faithful couple from Switzerland, they started our church in their home. And we were a house church for a while. And then when we became a public church, then we started grow because many people uh, learned that there was a church in Antalya and people started come. And we didn't go for fishing, but fish came to us. And, and That's I'll, how I want to go fishing, by yeah. the way. Go ahead. <laughs> And uh, after that, you know, we focus on uh, like uh, evangelism and discipleship training. When we focus on evangelism and discipleship training, God brought a lot of people naturally. Actually, that was the need that just come up that we can't not be one church. We have to multiply the churches. And then people that they grow in our church and they got excitement and they wanted to also do ministry and then we just uh, we encourage them and we want to become like the church in the book of Acts because that was the also the uh, biblical lent you know we wanted to just copy what they did 2000 years ago and we wanted to multiply the churches and then we start the second churches with the help of Maranatha and uh, the east of Antalya in 2016 and then we told our church that okay our next step is to start another church on the west of Antalya we pray many years and we uh, train people and we encourage people to connect with people new people that they can bring the church and then now we are ready to uh, open up the, our third location, which is going to be in the first Advent yeah, next month. And then our goal that our church already knows that four or five years later, we're going to open up the, another church on the north of Antalya. And when we have this vision, when people embrace that vision, when they know and when they get behind that vision, the church multiplies. Praise the Lord. Daniel. So in uh, our context in Indonesia, it's mostly house churches. Um, to actually build a building is extremely complicated, similar to what Gary was describing. And so um, what we have sought to do is as believers, as people first come to faith, we've asked them to just share what they know. And so that we try to uh, start a DNA of what you know you share. And so as they would then go back to their other family members, and it's almost always along family lines, very similar in Asia. So they would go back and they'd be sharing what they know. They might say, oh, my cousin is very interested. Can they come to our gathering? And we would first try to say to them, well, what if we start a new study there? And as long as they were willing, we would encourage them and we would try to move those studies out. So always trying to go into those places. And so what happens is usually... Someone in the family is working in the town or the city, and they're going back home, and they're taking those messages back. So the way that we primarily saw is that from people that were in, the, in our churches in the city, it would go out into the village. And so that, that's kind of the main way, and we would use creation to Christ studies. So our evangelism model was to study creation to Christ because Hinduism is so different, right? You know, you don't even believe in one God. 
And so there was so much of God's story to tell. So that was our model. Perfect timing with this. Right. Can we thank our panel members? And you know, I'm just so impressed with the partners that we have. And, you know, not only do we get the opportunity to support them in the work that they're doing, but they bring back to our, our church ideas. They bring back to us as a ministry things that enrich us here at Maranatha Bible Church. They, I don't know about you, but I've been challenged by what I've heard this morning, and it's going to spur me on even to pray more for our partners around the world. Now, this morning, we wanted to build some time here so that you would have an opportunity to interact with some of our partners that are here. So at this point, I'd like to ask the partners to head to their tables uh, where they can uh, be. Remember, the next service starts in the auditorium at 10, uh, 9.45, no, 10.45, isn't it? Yeah. It's about 10.30 now. So you have about, you've got about 20 minutes to, that you can intermingle and then make your way into the auditorium for the service. Thank you for being with us this morning.